on the show today. The man who claims responsibility for the T-Mobile breach speaks out and says it was not a difficult job. Mozilla announces a new security feature for Firefox users. Common Sense Media evaluates the privacy of streaming services and finds that most of them are lacking. Our Scam of the Day gives you signs that a contractor might be fake. And today's tip teaches you four methods to protect your privacy when using Google Maps. All of that and more is coming up on the August 30th, 2021 edition of Cybersecurity Made Personal. Helping you stay safe in a connected world. This is Cybersecurity Made Personal. Hello and welcome to the Cybersecurity Made Personal Podcast, the safest podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Jim Herman. I have four stories on the news beat for you today. We begin with a follow-up on a story that we covered last week. According to the man who claims to be the perpetrator, the T-Mobile breach that we reported on last week may not have been quite as complicated as the cellular provider made it out to be. The man claiming to be responsible told the Wall Street Journal that he used widely available tools to find an insecure router in T-Mobile's network. He was then able to access the customer records from that router. T-Mobile states it is confident the issue that was exploited has been resolved, but given the number of recent data breaches and the circumstances surrounding this one, it seems the company will have some work to do to convince the public that it is taking security seriously. Moving on to web browser news, Mozilla announced that the Firefox web browser will soon be implementing a new security feature that will block insecure content on web pages. As you've heard many times on this show, you should be using a secure encrypted connection whenever you can online, which is typically identified by the lock icon and the HTTPS at the beginning of the address. However, websites often include requests to download additional files, and even when you see the HTTPS in the address, the website could turn around and request some of those additional files in an insecure manner. Fortunately, Firefox is following the lead of Chrome in blocking these insecure requests initially, although they can still be downloaded with one additional click. While there's nothing inherently wrong with these requests, it does open you up to possible security and privacy issues. And now with Chrome and Firefox both blocking this content, hopefully websites will realize the importance of requesting these files through secure channels. Subscribers of streaming services will want to pay attention to a recent report from Common Sense Media, which reviewed the privacy policies of 10 streaming services 
and five streaming devices and found almost all of them lacking in privacy protections. According to the report, YouTube TV received the highest overall score, but it received a warning rating for its privacy practices. Despite a slightly lower score, Apple TV Plus was the only service to receive a passing rating. And in the area of parental consent, Disney Plus and HBO Max had the best parental controls. And as far as streaming devices were concerned, Apple TV was the only device to receive a passing rating. So be careful when you select a streaming service. While content is and should be the primary factor in deciding which services you pay for, unfortunately, you must also consider what the company is going to do with your data. And finally, we conclude with a visit to the town of Roll, Switzerland, where the city announced that a ransomware attack compromised the personal data of all 5,400 of its residents. The town first detected the attack back in May, but reported at the time that its impact was extremely small. However, following news reports of data compromised, Roll officials announced this week that the impact was much greater than it previously thought. Compromised data included names, addresses, residency permit information, criminal convictions, grades of students, and lists of those who tested positive for COVID-19. The city said it had set up a task force to deal with this crisis, and it admitted that the city had been naive to the threats that it faced. Unfortunately, that will likely be of little comfort to the 5,400 people who had their data stolen. And now we move on to the scam of the day. Today's scam is one that can be done either online or offline. It is the fake construction company scam. The internet has made it easy to create a presence for a business at a very cheap price. And that is a great thing for businesses that are just starting out. But it also makes it cheap and easy for a scammer to get their own online presence. While there are plenty of reputable contractors that will do a great job on your project, there are also those that will take your money and do a poor job or no job at all. Many times, these contractors will rely on door-to-door -door sales, offering services like power washing your house, repairing your driveway, or fixing your roof. They're especially popular in areas that have just been hit by severe storms, offering to make repairs quicker than the insurance company will be able to do them. However, these scam contractors don't only come out of the woodwork in person after a storm. Do a search online and you could easily come across a website for one of these supposed contractors. There are some warning signs you can look out for. Often they'll want payment in cash and won't want to put anything in writing. They also will rarely be able to provide proof that they're insured. They may look like a new company, but they likely just change names repeatedly 
so they're not associated with the negative reviews under previous names. They may also be willing to knock a significant amount of money off their quote, since they're not planning on spending the kind of money you'd expect them to spend on the repairs or the project. They might provide a single phone number or email address, but they'll hesitate to provide multiple ways to contact them. That will make it easier for them to ignore you when you call to complain that the work hasn't been done. And finally, they'll often reach out to you instead of waiting for you to reach out to them. Or if you do contact them, they'll use high-pressure tactics to get you to agree to a service quickly. So be on guard, especially when a contractor exhibits many of these warning signs. Do your own research and make sure you have multiple ways to get in touch with the company. Pay with a credit card or another method where it will be easier to get your money back if the company doesn't show up. And if you do have concerns, it's probably best to choose another company, even if it means paying a little bit more. If you find a scam you think we'd like to talk about on the show, you can send it to us at scam at cybersecuritymadepersonal.com. And now it's time for the Cybersecurity Pop Quiz. Each week, we ask you a question in the field of online security or privacy, and it's your job to figure out the right answer. Today's question is a multiple answer question, which means any combination of these answers could be correct. The question is, which of these are signs that a social media profile might be fake? A, the description is empty or contains very few details. B, the account interacts with a variety of people. C, the person makes regular posts on multiple topics. D, the profile picture is widely available on the internet. Or E, the person claims to be royalty, an executive, or another person of high importance. The answer will be revealed in next week's episode, but if you want to know it right away, you can go to cybersecuritymadepersonal.com slash pop quiz to submit your guess and find out if you're right. Plus, if you submit your guess on the website, regardless of whether you're right or wrong, you'll be entered to win a $25 Amazon gift card when we conclude Season 3 next week. But your guess must be submitted before the next episode airs on Monday, September 6th. For official giveaway rules, visit cybersecuritymadepersonal.com slash quiz rules. Last week's question was, A password strength checker says that it will take one month to crack my password, and I don't have anything worth trying to crack my password for one month. So my password is safe. True or false? The correct answer is false. If you listened to the special episode on password myths that we released last week, we covered this subject in depth in myth number seven. Password strength checkers make a lot of assumptions when calculating the number it provides. In most cases, 
It is calculating the time it will take before someone trying every possible password will have made it through 50% of the possible passwords. But if the password generator is just creating random guesses, it's possible it could get it right on the first guess. The more complex your password, the much less likely it becomes that a quick guess would get it right. In fact, the first 1 to 200 guesses are almost certainly going to be the most popular passwords, followed by common dictionary words, including substitutions like replacing L's with 1's. If you have a long, complex password, you're almost certainly going to make it through those first few guesses. And of course, advances in computing power could quickly take that one month down to one week, one day, or even less. That's why it's important that you select a password that's measured in thousands of years or more. The stronger your password is now, the longer you're going to be able to keep it. If someone followed you and kept detailed records of every place you went and how long you spent there, you'd probably call that person a stalker. But when you use Google Maps on your phone and let it gather your location data constantly, you're letting Google do just that, just virtually instead of in person. But you don't have to let Google or any other company stalk you. We'll discuss four steps you can take to protect your privacy on Google Maps when we come back from this short break. Hi, it's Jim. If you're enjoying the show, we'd love it if you could follow us in your favorite podcast player. That will ensure you never miss an episode. And while you're there, we'd also appreciate it if you could rate the show and give us a review. We'd love to hear what your thoughts are. And finally, the best review that someone can give us is to tell their friends about the show. Invite them to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or send them to our website, cybersecuritymadepersonal.com, where they can find links to the show in all the major podcast players. Thanks for your support, and now back to the show. You might have heard the story of the child who asked his father how people managed to get from one place to another before cell phones and Google Maps existed. The dad, as you probably guessed, told his child that they used maps. But the child replied, No, Dad, I said before Google Maps existed. The idea of unfolding a printed map and figuring out your own path from one place to another is probably foreign to many of today's youth. Practically everyone has access to maps of the entire world on that device that fits in their pocket. However, the free access to Google Maps means that one of the largest aggregators of data in the world knows your location all the time. So as we begin to discuss the ways that you can protect the privacy of your location, I do want to make one comment. Since Google Maps is the leader in mapping apps, 
we will stick to Google Maps for the purpose of this show. But if you use a different app instead, most of these items will also apply to that app, though the exact instructions on how to get to that feature may differ slightly. So what can you do to stay safe when you're using Google Maps? Here are four steps that you can take. First, you can protect your privacy on Google Maps by turning off location tracking when you don't need it. To do this, go to Settings, Privacy, Location Services on the iPhone, or pull down from the top of the screen and tap on Location on Android. By turning off location tracking globally, your GPS location will not be available to any app. But that doesn't mean that no one is going to be able to figure out where you are. Don't forget that your location can be gathered from other sources, such as which cell tower you're connected to or which Wi-Fi networks are in range. Second, only give Google Maps permission to use your location when you're actively using the app. The latest versions of both iOS and Android offer the option to grant data access when the app is in use, but not when the app is not active. If you want to reduce the amount of data your map app is collecting, only allow it to get your location when the app is in use. That way, the data is readily available when you need to get directions, but you don't have to worry about it tracking you all the time. Both Android and iOS also offer the option to only approve data use once. That way, if the app wants your data again, it will have to ask again. If you're very concerned about your privacy, you may want to make an app ask every time it wants access to your location data. Third, activate incognito mode. Incognito mode is available in Google Maps for both Android and iOS devices. Like the incognito or private mode available in most web browsers, anything you do while incognito mode is activated won't be saved on your device or online. It's essentially a do not track feature for Google Maps that allows you to have location services turned on, but not tracked by Google. To turn on incognito mode, tap on your profile icon and you'll see an option to turn on incognito mode in the menu. Once you tap on it, you'll receive a message letting you know that incognito mode does not mean your internet provider or other apps can't track you, just that Google Maps won't be logging your location data. Once you've activated incognito mode, you'll notice a few changes. The app will display incognito mode is on at the top, your profile icon will be replaced with Google's incognito symbol, the PI hat and glasses, and the dot marking your location will change from blue to black. There isn't an incognito mode for Google Maps on the web, but you do have the option to open an incognito or private window in your browser. As long as you don't sign in to Google's services in the incognito window, the results will essentially be the same. 
And fourth, whether or not you use Google Maps, you may want to consider having your home blurred on Google Street View. And even if you don't want your home blurred, you should at least take a look around to make sure there isn't anything you wouldn't want seen. For example, if you had your bedroom window open when the Street View car went by, you might not want someone peering into your bedroom, especially if you were inside at the time. Or maybe you were outside gardening when the Street View car came by and you weren't in a manner that you'd consider presentable. Google does blur your face, but if someone knows that's your house, people are going to figure out who you are. And finally, if you have kids that were outside when Google came driving by, you might not want them visible to anyone who takes a virtual stroll down your street. But do be aware of a few things. First, there are legitimate reasons why someone might want to look up your house. When I used to do house calls to fix computers in people's homes, I used it as a way to ensure I was going to the correct house. Second, Google's cars don't come down your street very often. The images on my street are from over eight years ago, as evidenced by signs for a church's fun festival in people's yards. And third, once you've blurred your house, Google says that is irreversible. So don't ask that it be blurred unless you're absolutely sure that is what you want. So that's all for today. Thanks for listening, and come back again next week, where we will conclude our third season by discussing the steps that you should take if you fall victim to a scam. So until next time, stay safe. Thanks again for joining us for the Cybersecurity Made Personal podcast. Check out the show notes page linked in the description for links to the articles mentioned, more information about today's tip, and a transcription of this episode. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you would consider visiting our welcome page at cybersecuritymadepersonal.com welcome. There, you can find more information about the show and links to some of our most popular episodes. Cybersecurity Made Personal is provided for educational purposes only. Don't take any action on your computer unless you fully understand what you are doing and the possible consequences. Visit cybersecuritymadepersonal.com slash disclaimer for more information. Cybersecurity Made Personal is a production of Personal Cybersecurity, LLC. I'm Jim Herman. Thanks for listening and stay safe.